0: And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. We have a special uh, treat for you today. Uh, a couple years ago, we did a couple of interviews at the end of 2021 with some uh, one-seers in the house, so you're hearing people that you know, that you sit with, that you rub shoulders with, their story, their life, their testimony, and so I want to invite Matt Dunn to come today. We're going to have a discussion. Welcome him this morning as he comes up. We're going to for for we, have a discussion um, today about his life and how God's been faithful to him uh, through the good times and bad times. And we're going to focus on specific uh, specific relationship that's obviously been very key in your life. And so before we start, Matt wants to open in prayer and then kind of give a little bit of a roadmap of where we're going to go. And we'll hop into some Q&A and give his, t- his testimonies to take it away.
1: All right, let's get right into this. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that I can share my testimony, but my testimony is not just about me. It's about your interaction with me and over my life. And Father, I just thank you that you can, you've always been there for me and, and that you're here for all the people in this church and that you've brought them here. And Father, I just hope that I can bring glory to you today and bring honor to you and help me to also bring honor to my wife today. And Father, I just thank you for all that you do for me and all the provision that you provide for me. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today is, um, I'm going to share a love story, just as, as you read your Bible, your Bible is a love story, and you know we don't always think about that of we're reading our Bible, because there's so many different stories in there, but the entire theme of the Bible is about love, and just as God created us, he loved us, uh, and created Adam and Eve, and male and female, he created them, and he did that because he loved us and he wanted fellowship with with all of us. And unfortunately, sin crept into the world and we disobeyed God and so he kicked us out of that Garden of Eden and and then ever since then has been a trial for us to get back to that fellowship with him. And, And that is a choice, it's a choice that he gives us freely, the free will that we have to either trust and believe in him and have that relationship with him or to love our sin and and to deny him and and through that whole story of the Bible it it all sprinkles in of the prophecies about the chosen one to come and Jesus came and, and God sent him to us to take the sins of the world upon him so that we can all through that faith in him we can we can be reconciled back to God and back to that fellowship, and that's the love that God has for us, and, and he told us that in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, but it's not just the world, he doesn't love the earth, well, I'm sure he does, but, and it's not just all the animals and the life that he created here, but God loves mankind, for God so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten, and the word begotten, as I looked up in my college dictionary a few years ago, I was curious, it's a strange word, we don't use that today. And I'm like, what is the meaning of this word begotten? And in my dictionary, and it's not always in all dictionaries, and and as every word has multiple meanings, mine said, a part of. A part of. For God so loved mankind that he gave a part of him in Jesus to be that sacrifice for our sins so that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when you understand as you read your bible these words that you just don't know but you're just looking up and you gain that deeper meaning and understanding of what the bible truly is telling us and so today i want to tell you a love story a love story of god how he has providentially been in my life long before i knew him and and a love story between me and my wife and the mission that he gave us And so I hope today that, you know, I don't want any recognition. What I do to help people, it's not about me. It's about them. It's about God providing for them because we are his hands and feet. We do his will. And we are his children. And we are here to continue the purpose that he has for us, the purpose that he has for everybody. And, you know, when you pray for help, it's not always that, you know, God comes down here himself, which he did, um, to meet your needs, but that he will send somebody, another fellow servant, to meet that need for you. And, and I've, I mean, I, I, we don't have enough time today for me to tell you every single story where I've prayed and God has answered that prayer many, 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 many times. And, and it's awesome. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing story to be called a child of God. And so today I just want to bring that glory to him, recognize him, and uh, bring him that honor and hopefully give a little bit of honor to my wife as well. Well said,
0: and that's really the timing of this conversation is because it is you know this next week is February fourteenth, and it's you also said it's Tammy's birthday is coming up around this time. Is that right?
1: Yeah, her birthday is on the thirteenth. The thirteenth. Yeah, just a a little tidbit. Yeah. Um, she did not like that I would always buy the Valentine's birthday card. She was (laughs) like, "It's my birthday is not on Valentine's (laughs) Day. I need two cards." Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, cars are too state. expensive. Yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Why not? I can just do you one. But that gets
0: to the timing of our conversation. It fits in with the time of year, Valentine's Day, and also I didn't even note the time, her birthday, the day before. And so with that love story intertwined, that's sort of the, the timing of our discussion. And so thanks for
1: sitting down and doing this with me. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this today. So we've
0: got, uh, we'll show a couple pictures here of you guys, you and Tammy. So tell us, as we get started, kind of how God brought you two together, how you and Tammy
1: met. So my best friend through high school was her cousin, and uh, we I was at his house more than I was at my house. And uh, one day he asked me to go stay the night with his cousin, and uh, I was like, sure, you know, whatever. I just followed along wherever. And so um, we're with him, and that evening um, we decided to go play a game, um, not one that I would recommend for everybody. Um, And anyways, we uh, borrowed some corn from a field as we lived out in the country. And uh, our game was throwing it at signs and see how many signs you can hit with the corn. Uh, I failed because I don't have good aim and my friend has played baseball, so he was really good at that. Anyways, we get back to the apartment and uh, his two sisters lived uh, in another building there. And they came out to see Travis, my my friend. And, uh, And so I had this extra corn and I was like, here have this. And that was to Tammy. That was the first time I met her. And uh, of course, she wasn't happy about that. She uh, was attracted to me. I was not ready for that at the time. And, uh, and so that was our first meeting. And so... How old were you when that happened? 14. Okay. And uh, so the next year goes by, and then she actually comes to Lawson. And uh, so I saw her there as we were going to school together. She was in ninth grade. I was in 10th grade. And... Uh, Again, I still wasn't interested yet, and I wasn't dating anybody. I was just worried about myself. Worked a lot. And uh, another year goes by. Two, two more years go by. And uh, my, the summer before my senior year, um, I had just showed up to Travis's house in my, my hot rod. Uh, my first truck was a 68 Chevy C10, so I got to have a lot of fun with that. Um, anyways, um, I just walked into the living room, and her and uh, Travis's sister walk out, Donna, and uh, I can just see her in the corner of my eye over here, and she's staring at me. And I'm just like trying to look, but not like fully look. And uh, at this point, yes, I was attracted. And, uh, and so she ended up chasing me, and uh, we scheduled a, our first date together over at her brother's house, Bradley and uh that was august 7th of 98 and we were married a year and three weeks later
0: life life moves fast sometimes does not it
1: yeah so i had you know just when you talk to yourself when you're alone you're not alone you're talking to god even if you don't recognize you're talking to god and you think you're just talking to yourself he's listening and so just like two weeks prior um, i would go to oklahoma and spend the summers with my mom and come back And and I'm like, you know what? I've got a vehicle now. I think I'm ready to date. I'm ready for a long-term relationship. I did not expect it was to be 23 years long.
0: (laughs) So you meet, and then you said you got married about a year later, but there's an interesting story about kind of the marriage issue there. You had to make a choice between Tammy and something else in your life. Yeah,
1: so, you know, Tammy and I started dating August 7th, and come December, I actually joined the Marines. I was still in high school. And uh, my family, a lot of my family members had served in the military, served in Vietnam and World War II, World War I. And so I thought serving the military was honorable and that I wanted to serve my country. And so a friend of mine actually, I really didn't have any plans and he was like, hey, you want to join the Marines with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And uh, so a, a month, I was supposed to go to boot camp August 2nd, um, a month prior. I'm I'm driving, doing construction work, and I'm long drives in that loud truck, and so there's no radio. It was just too loud. And so you're just alone in solitude, trying to drown out the noise, and uh, thinking to yourself, and I'm like, you know, self, ask myself, you know, what do you wanna do with your life? And as I asked asked myself that question, I'm I'm thinking, what kind of career do you want? And I, I had no idea. I had no idea what kind of career I wanted in my life. But the answer that I came ended up being my life mission, and it was, I want to help people. At 18 years old, I decided in my life's mission was going to be, I want to help people. And so two weeks later, um, as we're getting really close to me going to boot camp, Tammy came up to me, and she was like, hey, we need to, we need to talk. And uh, she set me down, and she said, hey, I've never been out of Missouri. I've never been away from my family. I want to marry you, but I don't think I can go to the Marines with you and i said i need time to think about this i can't just give you an answer right now and so i took two days and i thought to myself about that and she did not have the best childhood growing up and she had bounced around living with her mom her brother her sister her dad and uh, she it seemed like she never really fully understood unconditional love from parents which i've witnessed a lot of people a lot of kids in that situation and so i you know, thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, if my life's mission is to help people, then what am I doing leaving the person that I love and I'm gonna go to the Marines? What kind of life is she going to have? And how does that start my life's ministry, which I didn't realize it was a ministry yet, um, if I don't help the person that I love? And so I chose to stay and get married and start my family and figure out my career after that point.
0: So that's how you and Tammy got connected, but then let's bring another key relationship into your life. Tell us how you got connected to Jesus. How did that happen?
1: So a couple years go by, and uh, we have two kids, and um, my Skyler, who's here, was just born, and I'm thinking to myself, like, at some point, my kids are going to start asking me questions that I ask my parents, like, do you believe in God? Do you believe in evolution? And, and so I'm asking myself these questions, like, how are you going to lead your family and i didn't quite understand the, the role of biblical masculinity leadership as a husband and a father um, but i'm beginning that journey and so i'm asked myself do you believe in god do you believe in evolution and i was like no i don't think i believe in evolution that doesn't sound sound it doesn't sound right to me i, I just don't believe that's true and uh, so i was like okay i believe in creation so I believe in a God. Well, there's a lot of gods that people believe in. So what God do I believe in? And I didn't really know much about other religions. Um, so I think, and, and I'm like, well, most of my family believes in Jesus. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna believe in Jesus. And, and, and that's in those long drives back and forth to work where you're alone, where you have time to think and, and ponder these, these different thoughts and God was right there with me, because it was either that night, the next night, a pastor knocked on my door. I'm living in apartments in Liberty, and and a pastor knocks on my door, and he's like, hey, I'm out knocking on doors, trying to share Jesus with people. Would you like to learn more about Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, I would. Come on in. My wife and I prayed, which we both prayed that day to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, my wife had summers that she spent with an uncle and aunt, and he was a pastor, and so this as a little kid, she professed faith in Jesus a um, long, long time ago, but she wanted to do that again and recommit her life. Um, that did not mean that we went to church every Sunday or that we were very faithful, but that was the beginning of our journey.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And what we're already seeing is, you know, God's faithfulness in leading you right where he needs you to go, even if you're not aware of it. And I think that's an amazing thing that we've seen so far, and even as we continue on, so you know, a few years pass. you got three young kids, and then an operation later, you know, you have a desire for more kids, but now that's not a physical possibility unless God intervenes supernaturally. But you have that desire, and you know from a young age that your goal is to help people make a difference in their life. So then tell us a little bit about how that journey sort of happened to where, um, we're kind of done with our biological children, but we have a desire for more children, plus the desire to help other people, how did God bring all that together and work through you and your life yeah. and marriage?
1: <clears throat> well, helping people, we helped our friends and every place that we lived in. Somebody needed a place to live, and our house was always an open door, so we always had somebody sleeping on the couch. Um, I, I can't think of a single place that we ever lived at that we didn't have somebody living with us for temporarily, and so without even realizing that, you know, that was just part of who I was. I wanted to help people, and so when When people are in need, we just did what we could. Not that we, you know, were wealthy or anything to do everything. Um, So we had our three kids, and I I couldn't afford to have any more, so we were done having biological children, which she was not happy with. Um, She wanted to have 13 kids. Yeah, yeah, seriously, she wanted to have 13 kids. Her her grandparents had 13 kids, so she had 13 aunts and uncles, and uh, so she wanted a big family. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, we can't afford that, so... We'll do what we can afford, and uh, so my first construction boss had an adopted daughter, and this is before Tim and I got married. And I thought, Wow, that's really cool. I want to have. I want to adopt some kids someday. That was my first thought that I wanted to adopt kids long before I got before I got married. And so I said, You know, well, eventually, when we can afford to have more, then we'll adopt some, or if God is great and chooses, then we will have more biological kids. That didn't happen, and uh, <clears throat> so this is two years into my business that I started when I was 29 and uh because of just starting a business we got a couple months behind on rent and just couldn't get caught up and uh, our landlord was just not financially able to allow us to stay there and so we got evicted from our home but right before that um and it's in that small business when it was good it was good and when it wasn't it was a struggle and uh And so one night we prayed together, hey, Lord, you know, we're ready for a home of our own. And if you can help us to get that, that would be great. Um, We also are ready for more kids in our life. And so if you can help us with that, that would also be awesome. And uh, so we got a victory from our home. That's, you know, you don't think that that is how God's going to answer your prayer, but that's exactly how God answered our prayer. Because the next home that we got into was, uh, you know, it was provided by him. It just happened to be open. It was a block down the street from my mother-in-law, which we helped out a lot, and she helped us out when we needed. And uh, so we moved in, a a couple days goes by, and and there's a couple big problem, well, one big problem and and a couple minor problems. And so I told the landlord that the dishwasher had been closed up with full of water, and so it was just moldy, really, really moldy. And uh, Skyler has asthma, and so he couldn't be around that nobody wants you, nobody should be around that kind of mold. And so I removed it. I'm like, there's, there's no cleaning that I, I pulled it out of my house. I'm like, I'm not going to have that in my house. And uh, so the landlord comes by I'm in Lenexa picking up supplies for a job. And uh, my wife calls me and she's very upset. And she's like, Hey, I just got into an argument with Tina our landlord. And uh, she said that we can just grab our stuff and move back out. I'm like, Well, Um, well, I don't know how we're going to do this. We don't have any money right now. We just put all the money to get into this house. And, uh, I was like, well, I'm too far away to do anything right now. Let me finish up and I'll I'll be there as quick as I can. And, uh, she calls me back like five minutes later and she is ecstatically happy. I am so confused at this point. (laughs) Like what just happened? And she was like, Tina knocked back on the door and she offered us an owner finance. And she said, the same amount of rent that we've already agreed to, what we've already paid goes, goes down to it, and 15 years, the house is ours. But now, everything that's wrong with the house is our responsibility. And Tina's like, hey, you do construction, you can take care of it. Oh, maybe not with the finances, but yeah, so that was, that was God providing a home for us. Yeah. That was really cool. And no, I did not know that it was going to happen, and God kicked us out of a house to, you know, he pulled us out of Egypt to bring us to the promised land. And it's, it's not a great house, but hey. When you ask for a, g- a house, I didn't ask for a big one. I didn't ask for a small one. I just asked for a house, and he gave me one. So that was that. Was that living in this neighborhood? Uh, there was a lot of broken families, and so you know our kids were young when we first moved there, and so it, it took some time. And so as their friends started coming around, and you know we're still helping out our friends, um, and and some of their kids, and. Uh, so, as my kids get a little bit older, um, Skyler's in fourth grade, and his best friend, um, you know, he's got a family that's struggling. And so, I, I might put my kids in Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. And uh, so, I helped to pay for his friend to get into Cub Scouts, and that's how I started to build a relationship with this kid. Well, his mom was struggling, and they needed to move. And uh, she asked if we could provide a home for this kid for a while. And, uh, that was fifth grade. He was in fifth grade. Skyler was in fifth grade. And, uh, he moved back with his mom a couple times, but he lived with us until he graduated high school. And he was, he's one of my six primary kids, my three biological and three more that we call our six primary kids. And we've got dozens and dozens of adopted kids that we've just had an opportunity to play a part in their life, you know. And, uh. Yeah, it was just great. So that was like the beginning of that journey. And then our house became the hangout house for all the kids. And so for for six years, approximately, I cooked meals for 10 people every day. And so the food was one of the biggest things that we, we helped out with. But I would say that was the biggest thing that I helped out with. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so I've got my wife and I and three kids that, I'm responsible for but we provided five more meals for other kids uh, or friends whatever it was and uh, she she had a whole lot more kids than I had because she played the loving role the mom in so many kids lives and this is where I want to share that and give her that glory and honor of, of what she did for so many people you could not leave the house without a hug and an I love you I came home from work one day and she was she was like, hey, I gotta tell you this story. I was like, all right, let me get, put everything down. And she said, uh, so I had to go up to, this, to the school to talk to one of Desi's teachers. And she's like, you would not believe what happened as I walked down that hallway. They were in between classes. And she's like, as I'm walking in, I hear, hey, mom. And she's like, uh, hi. And, and then, hey, mom, hey, mom, hey, mom it went more than a dozen times over. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. She was like, I know you and you and you. I don't know you and you and you and you. Um, but yes, I'm mom. Hello. Hi, everybody. And uh, because she would, she would chew some butts when she needed to. And, and some of these kids never really had that parent to give that loving discipline. Because we discipline our kids because we love them, not because we hate them. And, and some of them just never had that. And so there's so many aspects of how she met their needs in a loving way, Um, mostly through the hugs and I love you's and and occasionally the butt (laughs) chews.
0: We got a picture I want to show here. This kind of shows sort of a a glimpse of the impact that you made. We'll talk about the events surrounding this picture, but this group here surrounding you are just a a few. I mean, it's not all of, of the young people and the people that you helped in your marriage together. But this kind of gives you an idea of the impact that, you know, just everyday normal people can make uh, as we're just obedient to what God wants us to do with our lives and our time and our homes and our money and our effort and energy. And uh, th- again, this is just a small picture of the impact that you and Tammy made. And so I hope you know um, that how big a deal that is. You know, this, and I know you've seen this picture a lot. It means a lot to you. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted you guys to see, you know, it's possible doing what God wants you to do with your life uh, may look like somebody sitting on your couch but you never know what kind of impact that can make it might mean making meals for somebody you barely know uh, but you never know what kind of impact that can make and so we just, um, just love that you guys were able to do that but part of your journey though was complicated uh, in that uh, throughout her life and your marriage Tammy struggled with mental illness and so tell us a little about how that impacted you uh, maybe spiritually and your relationship and your life uh, together
1: so the first time that I knew of anything of mental illness with her was after Levi was born, our first son. And at the time, we just thought it was postpartum depression. And you know, I didn't know much about mental illness. Actually, I would say I didn't know anything about mental illness at the time. And uh, it ended up progressing over the years, and she was finally diagnosed with bipolar depression and anxiety. And uh, so... When, when it was good, she was, she was great. And when it wasn't, you know, sometimes it's people struggling with bipolar have manic episodes. And when it was bad, it was bad. And, and that was a constant struggle. Um, but it was very important for me to never give up. I was fully committed, devoted to her. And, and as you are in a marriage, loving one another, to get through those tough times, you've got to have God in your life, in your marriage. And, and I'd like to give you an analogy right now as a good time for this. And so I've got a couple strands of ropes. So when you... Uh, I'm going to have to set my mic down. I'll talk loudly, though. Okay. When you don't have God in your marriage, you have two strands of a rope. The only thing you can do with two strands of a rope is you can twist it together. You can tie it in knots, but that's not good for a marriage. Hmm. And so as you twist it, eventually, when you let go, it comes undone. And that's what, happens, that's what happens when you don't have God in your marriage. Can you hold that end? Yeah. But when you have your marriage built on faith and God in your life, it's not just you and her so this one is you and her. This one is one for her, one for me, with God intertwined. And what you do with that is you braid it together. As you build your life and life goes on, every moment, every journey, every obstacle, raising kids together, every argument, every triumph, every memory, it just continues to build And God intertwines your life, and he's there with you, every moment of it. As you're braiding your daughter's hair, yes, as a dad, you braid your daughter's hair. You learn how to do that. Having sisters helps with that. And when you let go, it stays together. This is how a marriage is supposed to be. With God intertwined, one for you, one for me with God intertwined and it does not come undone that's how you stay married so that thought came to me this last couple of weeks as I was preparing for this and uh, I thought wow that's that's so fitting I didn't I didn't recognize that through all of our life together but it was very true and and it was in those difficult times it's giving our burden to God and allowing him to carry those burdens when it's too much for us to carry alone
0: love that analogy. Um, and so then not only then was God with you in the ups and downs of just regular marriage, regular life, raising kids, but then also the battles with mental illness and those highs and those lows, but then uh, a few years ago, uh, you got a diagnosis uh, for Tammy, and so tell us a little bit about, about that story and that part of your life and how God uh, was with you in that part of your life with her.
1: So one night after dinner, Tammy was dealing with some pain. And uh, so I asked her if she wanted to go to the hospital. And she was like, no, you need to get some sleep for work. Um, if you can just drop me and Desi off at the hospital tomorrow, then I'll just go and then and see what's going on. Yes, my kids had to step out because it's too painful for them to hear. And so um, they ran some tests and determined that she needed to have her gallbladder removed, which is pretty common for a woman around 40 years old. She was 39 at the time. And uh, so they scheduled surgery. And of course, I'm taking off work. That's easy being self-employed. You take off whenever you need to. Uh, And there's no repercussions. And uh, so I'm sitting in the waiting room and the surgery was good, and the doctor comes in, and he was like, unfortunately, I have some bad news. And he showed me some pictures and of her inside abdomen, and there were white spots all over. And he said, unfortunately, your wife has cancer. He said, we don't know where it's coming from yet, um, but we're going to do a lot more tests, and we're going to find out. And uh, my wife's mom passed away from pancreatic cancer five years previous. A few days goes by and the cancer doctor was in there many times, and uh, they finally sent her home with some pain meds. And a week goes by and we didn't hear anything, so we, we called the office to the cancer doctor and it was like, hey, you know, what's, what's going on? And uh, so they scheduled an appointment, and when in that appointment, um, the doctor let us know that she was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. In that first initial, when I was informed, um, he told me that it was on the liver as well. And which, through my life experience and, and knowing other people, when cancer gets to your liver, it's very dangerous. And... uh When I was first told I, he was like, you can go back up to the room. And uh, so I went up there waiting on her to come in. And I called both my mom and dad. I needed advice and comfort because I needed to tell my wife that she had cancer. And so That week later, when we were told that she had stage four pancreatic cancer, it was all I could do to not just start crying in front of the doctor. And we held it together just long enough. And uh, in that moment, she denied any treatment, because she knew where she was at. And in her mind, she was like, I want to enjoy the last days I have. And I don't want to be dealing with chemo treatments and radiation and all that stuff that's going to make me sick. I just want to take what last days i have and enjoy my family and uh, make some memories but when we got out of that office after that diagnosis we get to the elevator and desi was with us i just i lost it because i knew in that moment that i wasn't going to have a lot of time left we were in the middle of a job and and i couldn't just stop working immediately but And, of course, we had to go home and tell our kids and our family. I struggled every single day after that at work until we got to a point that I could turn it over to my sons. And I'm like, I'm not not working anymore. I'm going to spend every last day with my wife for as long as I have with her. I'm going to stay by her side and take care of her just like I've always have. And as I devoted myself to do. I didn't know how we were gonna get through it financially, but I knew that God would provide. My sister created a GoFundMe page and it raised $5,000 for us. And that paid some bills that we needed to pay to get through, some bills we just ignored and didn't worry about at the time. And so from that point forward, it was, when we got, we didn't have health insurance at the time, but we had to get that immediately to pay for hospice and as we met with the the counselor i don't remember exactly who or how it happened it was you know you need you need to write a bucket list what do you what do you want to do right now and uh she wanted to fly she'd never been in an airplane and she had never seen the ocean so she those were the two big ones there was only one that we didn't get done and she wanted She wanted to be recorded reading some children's books for our future grandkids, and that was one that we did not get to do. My parents and siblings provided a trip for her and I to go to Branson, and we spent five days down there and made some great memories. And then, through the donations, we got to go to California. My sister lives out there, one of my, one of my sisters. And uh, so we got to take her to the beach and we got to get her feet in the water. Um, unfortunately, she wasn't doing very well to be able to get out into the ocean and swim. But and I, I meant to send you the picture of us standing on the beach, but I didn't. I just got too busy and forgot to do that. Um, somebody there saw us trying to take pictures and they came up to Desi and they're like, hey, let me take pictures for you. And and had been taking pictures of us and she sent them to us. And uh, so we got a family picture there on the beach with her. And at this point, she's in a wheelchair. She can't really walk a lot, but we did it. Um, Before we got to go do that, um, her little brother had a friend that has several helicopters. And I also meant to send you that picture and didn't get to, I forgot about that. And her and I got to go on the 15 to 20 minute helicopter ride. And that was really, really cool. That's like one of the highlights of my life right there. And so we got to make some really, really good memories. From the time that she went into the hospital with that pain until she passed was 11 weeks. 11 weeks, it's not enough. 22 years of marriage, a year together before that, not enough. I never imagined till death do us part. I thought we'd be married forever. We were married young. I I expected to grow old with her. Another great thing is that we got to celebrate one last anniversary together. And my sister and her in laws paid for us to stay at a really, really nice hotel, right on the beach. And so we spent our last anniversary together in the most beautiful scenery. And it, it was hard, but it was it was really amazing. And then when we we got back home, and she didn't really get out much, but I was just like, you know, all of her f- family. I was like, just just come to the house, sit with her, spend time with her. And you uh, know, she didn't really like big social gatherings, um, so I was like, you know, just one family at a time. Just come and sit with her, and be with her. You know sharing some of those last memories my sister in California just didn't know exactly how bad it was until we got out there but she lasted about one week after we got back previous to knowing that she had cancer I had been wanting to gather all these kids together. In that picture, there's 29 kids up there, along with a couple friends as well that we helped out for a long time. But there was probably about six dozen kids, I'm guessing, that we had an opportunity to influence. And uh, I I don't want any attaboys or pat on the backs or anything like that because it, it wasn't about me. It was just about being the hands and feet of God just doing our part, just helping people. But I had wanted to try to provide a meal for everybody, but that's a lot of people to feed at one time. And they were all growing up and moving away, and a couple of them had gone to the military, some had just moved away, and so not everybody was able to make it. Um, and, and I could tell you stories of each and every one of those kids, but, but we'd be here all day. You guys brought your lunch, right?
0: The game's not until 5.30, so, you know. Yeah, we got, we, we got time. <laughs> um, let, let's, let's talk one more, one more thing um, as we kind of wrap it up. So in the intervening two, almost two and a half years, um, tell us how the Holy Spirit's continued to be with you and continue to use you um, even since Tammy's passing.
1: You know, you don't think about losing your spouse as you're living your life but when it does, it breaks you. And what it feels like is that the moment she died, she reached into my chest and grabbed half of my heart, ripped it out and took it to heaven with her. That's how it felt. And I went through the darkest time of my life. For a while, I lost the will to live. That does not mean suicidal. That means I wanted to be in heaven more than I wanted to be here on earth. I wanted to hold her in my arms again. Luckily, my two sons were really amazing and were quite trained and were able to carry me through at work and, and so many times but just cried at work, just lost it. Cried all the time for months. Four times in the evening at home, I cried so hard that my chest started hurting. My breathing was so uncontrolled, I felt like I was gonna have a heart attack. And in those moments, I forced myself to stop thinking about her, stop thinking about my grief and focus on my breathing. My dog at the time would come up and put her head on my chest and I just held on to her and she helped to calm me down. You have to be careful in those moments. Um, About the same time that she passed, the Uvalde school shooting happened. 19 kids and two teachers were shot and killed that day. One of those teachers had five kids. Her husband died a week later. And because of what I was going through, I knew that he cried so hard that he killed himself. And so in those moments of grief, I knew that I had to slow down and to control my breathing and to be careful. But when you lose your spouse, you just want to give up. You just want to cry and cry and cry and just completely give up and just give in to that. But when you have kids, you can't do that. Luckily, Right after she passed, and I should have done it before she passed, I reached out to my old pastor, a person that I call Pastor Dave. He still fills in from time to time, and he came here for a while. And, and he brought me back to church, and he stayed in my life, and he encouraged me. And we had a lot of times to talk. And he became my best friend. And he invited me into a discipleship microgroup, and after seeing that photo with all those kids, he's like, I need this guy in my next group. He's like, I need to equip this guy to do more ministry. And that's exactly what he did, along with Pastor Stephen and John Roush, my brothers in Christ. So we, I, he wanted to just get started, and I'm like, brother, I'm, I just need to get through this first year. That first year, you go through all the first the first holidays, the first birthdays, all the memories, all the days that are special. To take my kids out to dinner without her, every single first is a reminder of not her not being there. And it's incredibly difficult. So I was just like, brother, I just gotta get through this first year. And so we started two weeks after the anniversary of her passing. And it was amazing. I have three brothers that I'm meeting with that I can tell my burdens to, that I can pray for me, pray with me, pray over me. I'm committing to studying the Bible, and it was through that that we completed November, this last November, 14-month discipleship studies, and I, they brought me back to life those first few months, even here in in first century, during the singing, I cried many, many times, you know, you sit in the back and you look forward and you see all the couples and their hands are on the pew and their hands are touching and it's that gentle touch. and And it just brought me to those memories and, and it's really hard beyond hard. I can't imagine anything more difficult than losing the little love of your life. I'd like to give another analogy. When we are born, we love our parents unconditionally, and our parents love us. It's a steadfast love. It's supposed to be a steadfast love. We love our siblings. We love our friends. It's a constant love. But when you have a romantic love That love continues to grow with every day, with every year, with every struggle, with every triumph. Romantic love is the only love that continues to grow. And that's why it's so difficult when you lose it. And it breaks you so hard. Because after 22 years of marriage, that's a lot of love, it's a lot of growth. Well,
0: um, I just want to share a couple scriptures, and then we'll put a bow on it today. But let me just, again, on behalf of our church family, say thank you for sharing your story and uh, being vulnerable with us. Um, it was an emotional time kind of working through some of those thoughts and memories in your life. Um, one scripture I know that's really important to you and Tammy, it's actually on our headstone, is Matthew 25, verse 40. And you actually wrote it on the floor. Before I we did. Put the carpet down. Uh, it says this, and the king will say, I tell you the truth when you did it to the least of any of these my brothers and sisters you're doing it to me so that's that's their life that's their legacy that's what that picture means that's what your marriage with tammy meant is looking out for the least of these and Jesus says you did it unto me and so that's I mean what what a legacy to leave you know uh, you know with tammy's life and you're still continuing that on even today I want to read one more scripture um, and this is in second corinthians uh, chapter twelve so Paul has he talks about in this chapter, he has this physical ailment that he's dealing with. And he says, three times I prayed for the Lord to take it from me. And God never did that. And here's, here's what it says, verse 8, 1 Corinthians twelve eight. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So then Paul says this, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, sometimes we pray for God to take away mental illness. And sometimes He does. And sometimes He doesn't. But every time He says, My grace is sufficient. And sometimes when we get a cancer diagnosis, sometimes God heals that on this side of eternity, and sometimes He doesn't. But in every case, He says, my grace is sufficient for you, and that's your story. So in the ups and downs of life, the things that we see coming and can't control, the things that we can't see coming and definitely can't control, his grace is sufficient. He's always there with us. And so, again, thanks, Matt, for sharing your heart and your life with us and kind of introducing yourself uh, (laughs) to the church family in a very, very powerful way. And um, we're just so thankful that you're part of our, our family here at First Century. We love you. We're thankful for you.
1: Thank you for allowing me to share my journey journey with you guys. It's not about me. It's, it's, it's about God above. Just as the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are stories about Jesus. They're not necessarily the testimony of, or the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are characters in the story. I'm just a character in this story and it's all about God.
0: Amen. Well, let's pray this morning, and then we'll, we'll let you go. God, thank you for this time we've had together for this conversation that Matt's just opened up his heart and his life to us as his church family, and we're thankful for the impact that he and Tammy had for so many years on so many people. Even, even that picture doesn't do it justice, the impact, the ripple effect that just one life, that one, one marriage, one family can have. And so I pray that as we've heard his story that we would be inspired to make the kind of difference that you want us to make. It's not just up to them or just up to Matt to do that. You want all of us to have some kind of impact on those around us. And so I pray that we'd be encouraged and inspired by his story and their life together and their life of ministry together and that we would adopt that same mindset that we want to do all we can to make all the difference we can to all the people that we can. So Holy Spirit, help us, lead us, guide us into that adventure, that great unknown, whatever that might look like for us. May we just be obedient to say yes to your will in our lives, to working in us so you can work through us. So can we just thank you and praise you for this time and this discussion and this story that you're still working out, that the best days are still yet to come for Matt and also for each of us here today. So we praise you and thank you for all those here today and pray your blessings upon them as we leave this place today and bring us back next time ready for more of you in Jesus' name. Amen.